Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Well, today our show is about healthcare and and healthcare real estate and real estate in general. You know, healthcare providers and commercial real estate participants are trying to understand and predict how demand, volume, and reimbursements will affect providers and the commercial real estate market. So today we'll start with a look at how Obamacare might affect providers and their use of commercial real estate. Then we'll get an inside look at the healthcare real estate investment market. Well, please welcome my guests, Rob Grossman and Ken Meyer, both principals with Deloitte. In the United States alone, Deloitte has 57,000 professionals providing audit, consulting, financial advisory, risk management, and tax services. Rob, Ken, thanks for joining us in Studio One today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, guys, we appreciate you being here, and I've seen... uh, your report on this subject and it's incredible and I hope you do a, do another one now but it's interesting how some things just haven't changed we still don't know exactly what's going on but looking forward to your insight on how Obamacare is going to affect uh, real estate in general these days and and first of all how many more people are going to have health care coverage and what kind of demand is that going to uh, start to have here so Michael uh, we've seen several estimates with mm-hmm. regard to uh, the number of new insured mm-hmm ranging from 25 to 35 million people. I think that there's been somewhat of a, of a, a convergence around 30 million as, as a good number, a placeholder, by 2016. By 2016. And, and when, when does that start? Is it starting now? Is, are we are starting to see some of that? Or, or is this uh, delay in, in the website uh, causing a delay in the newly, newly insured? Well, it should be starting as of January 1st, uh, but uh, this is all in real time. Yeah. And so, you know, as we sit here t- today, uh, it's impossible to predict how much yeah. of that will, will happen as of uh, January 1st versus middle of the year versus the, the following year. And that's part of the challenge uh, in the industry, isn't it? Just realizing how fast this is going to happen and what's really going to happen. But what about the demographic of these newly insured? Uh, where's that demand coming from? What, what part of the population? Well, not surprisingly, it's uh, largely mm-hmm. the uh, the poor, or, although it is the working poor. Um, I think most people... That sounds like me. <laughs> might, might assume that uh, it's it's folks who are, are unemployed, and that's not the case. But it's uh, people with uh, jobs that don't provide health care insurance today. So a lot of um, service industry, um, specifically, where today those folks don't have insurance from their um, employer... And many opt not to get insurance either because it's it's prohibitively expensive or because they think it's not worth the benefits. You know, the cost is, is too high. What about the age range? Uh, what's the typical age range of the, the biggest increase in, in insured? So 85% or above 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, most are in the, uh, the working demographic group. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, more uh, going to be clustered in the um, urban areas. And again, where you might think of um, urban markets that have a higher percentage of working poor or or poor peop, uh, people as, as a percent of the population in total. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the major cities are going to see the, the biggest influx of new business. Most likely. Okay, and uh, let's talk about how much more space is going to be needed. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people interested in commercial real estate that listen to this show, uh, Ken, and, and so how much more space are we going to need to take care of this demand? You know, the estimates that we've seen really are, you know, looking at approximately 1.9 square feet for every new patient. So, you know, doing the math, assuming there's, as Rob suggested, 30, 30 million new, pe- new 
patients or people on, on the healthcare rolls, we're looking at an additional demand of approximately you know, 57 million additional square feet. I mean, not an insignificant number. As Rob pointed out, it's not spread across the country like peanut butter, but really focused in certain, probably the more densely populated areas and the areas where you know, the populations that were just described generally reside. But I do think that's a little bit optimistic because it's not as if the, ins- the non-insured today don't receive any health care. And they, they do, uh, and they go in for, for uh, when they need, they go in for service. But the reality is uh, we expect that they'll have more uh, access to health care and they'll take advantage and, and choose more health care services down the road. And I guess there's certain type of health care providers that are going to see a, a larger surge in business, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we're, we would expect, I mean, you look at the whole retailization of medicine, mm-hmm. um, the the expansion of the clinics along with the pharmacies and things like that. Those tend to be, you know, the areas where we're, we're expecting larger growth or increased demand of where real estate has been traditionally serving the healthcare industries. So I would suspect that when we look at within, from a real estate perspective, we'll see greater demand specifically on retail as of asset class that's serving medical than we've ever seen before. And let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we do retail and we do uh, medical health care and, and the retailers that, are, that own these centers that are having some vacancy issues, uh, they're really after these retail tenants and, and what's realistic, what type of, of health care providers really should be in these retail markets? There's a definition too around um, health care and retail. Yeah. And, and I say that because if I go back, um, you know, the notion of a day spa to me is not healthcare. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's a luxury service. But for folks who need uh, physical rehabilitation and certain types of massage-like services, that would qualify as healthcare. And so there are services that somewhat straddle between healthcare and non-healthcare retail. And I stay with that for a second because, you know, think about how much has changed. You know, today, the notion of a day spa is, is very acceptable. You have them at malls. Now go back 20 years ago, and you know if I said the word massage parlor, mm-hmm. it would have a very different image uh, and what you would think of. So again, there's been a fair amount of change. Well, you know, I'd like to uh, have my insurance company know that I need a massage every day. I mean, you know, <laughs> oh, man, I really need it. I, you know, I think for health, it is it is help you be healthy. You know, so I guess there is an argument that you know that preventive uh, health care is important, and that's part of what Obama is trying to do here, right? Is get more preventative medicine out there. Well, and actually, that's where the whole retail concept actually does sort of align. Mm-hmm. We, we see, for example, people have sort of argued over the years that retail is perhaps the most under-demolished asset class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to repurpose retail real estate to serve the medical or healthcare community has some benefits. Access to mass transit, access to roads, plenty of parking, all things that really do serve an expanding healthcare population. So whether we're talking about the expansion of a retail store adjacent to a pharmacy to provide a, you know, a, an urgent care center, or converting a vacant store like the old Circuit City spaces or maybe some malls that are underperforming into you know, full-blown healthcare or medical spaces in addition to the more traditional medical office space that we're all familiar with. Right. Well, you know, I think it's more pleasant for me as, as a, a consumer if I'm going to go to see a doctor or, or get some minor medical thing. And if I'm going to a mall and, you know, I can buy my iPad next door and, uh, and then walk in. I'm not going to a hospital with, you know, it's a lot of sick people around. So in some cases, it's a, it's a pleasant experience for the consumer, isn't it? I do believe it is. I mean, you walk the fine line of, you know, fearing that you're going to fill your mall with a bunch of sick people. Yeah. But there's a lot of 
a lot of services that are being provided to not to, to not a true sick population where the retail access really provides great opportunity. Right. And the reality too is a big thesis behind the legislation is that the increase in preventative care services will reduce the amount of catastrophic service that's needed down the road. And so again, it's a question of, and that's the big bet, by, by having more preventative care, people will have less chronic issues down the road. Yeah. And then when you look at the healthcare systems, uh, it's also marketing and advertising. It really gets their name out there and maybe helps helps their business pull in from these retail centers, right? It's almost like advertising for them. Well, it certainly is, and it, it becomes another draw. How are we going to bring additional additional shoppers or additional consumers to the center? And this certainly provides a, a new avenue and access to additional folks who might not have otherwise gone. All right, so you've got a big number here of the possibly that we may need of, of office space or, or commercial real estate for medical uses. What are construction levels for, for true medical office buildings? It seems like we haven't had very much new construction of anything for several years. What do you see there? Well, it, it's interesting because, you know, the, after the credit crisis, when things really slowed down, we, we really didn't see any very much new construction for several years. But things are trending up. I mean, we're, we're looking at let's see, from a medical office space perspective, in 2013, we, let's see, we've seen, according to some of the brokerage reports, 10.3 million square feet medical office space um, being constructed this year alone. And overall, construction starts in healthcare are projected to be 68 million square feet in 2014. Okay, so we're going to see more more development here. You know, it seems like uh, we talk to our clients, they're not really building any spec, and you know, they really want to have tenants in these buildings before they build them. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with supply and demand and rents. And uh, we're going to get a little bit more of that. So stay tuned. We'll have more on Obamacare and how it's affecting the real estate market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. IMN Information Management Network has some outstanding conferences coming up. Two for the securitization industry, January 21st through 24th in Vegas, and January 27th and 29th in Dallas. Also check out the Bank and Financial Institution Special Asset and Workout Conference February 13th and 14th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. For more information, visit imn.org. That's imn.org. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, last week we covered social media strategies that work. There are lots of interesting shows to choose from. Just grab your phone, tablet, or computer and visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Today we're discussing Obamacare, the healthcare industry, and commercial real estate. My guests are Rob Grossman and Ken Meyer, both with principals with Deloitte. And uh, guys, we talked about the the increased demand. And Ken, you cover real estate. What's this demand going to do to uh, office building or medical office building rents and values? Wow, big question and a lot of different answers there. Um, in the right markets, with the right space, it has is very positive. I mean, Rob talked a little while ago about demand not being equal all around the country, but really con- the opportunity to be, you know, to grow the most in the urban areas where we're going to see the greatest 
increase in population being served by healthcare. So we would expect demand to be greater. That that supports you know the increase in rents. But it's also even not that simple because it really needs to be aligned with uh, probably, for example, medical office space being aligned or closely approximate to the centers that are going to thrive. So all hospitals, for example, are not going to continue to exist as they have in the past. So the stronger hospitals, the ones that are growing in the market and really um, thriving within that space are likely going to drive the medical office demand around them. So the right market, along with the strongest hospitals, are likely to see high demand, which translates to high rents. But, and I, but I'll say to that too, again, we expect that there'll be consolidation uh, in the industry because the requirements, the regulations really are going to necessitate having capital. And so as there is consolidation, and by the way, efficiency, right? Again, it's called the Affordable Care Act. So the, the intent is to have more efficiency. And so we would expect that there'll be some consolidation. And so there will be uh, growth needed in, in certain places, but, but there'll actually be reductions in others. I hope it's affordable, right? That's what everybody's hoping. What about demand for, for non-medical office? Uh, what do you see there? What do you expect? I mean, you've got the what you get the billing, the back office. You've got a lot of other uses that are related to health care that, that maybe they'll take out of these more expensive buildings. Do you see more demand for non-medical office? You know, there, there will definitely be additional work and additional people required to support the Affordable Care Act. So whether it's processing claims for people who previously didn't have insurance and what have you. Mm -hmm. What remains to be seen, so we don't really know yet how that's going to be delivered. How much, for example, of that claims processing work is going to take place offshore? And that obviously has no impact on grow, you know, growing the demand for jobs or space to put workers in the U.S. So I'm certain that there will be more paperwork associated and people who will need to process it. But I am not sure where that work is going to, going to be provided. Rob, is there anything you'd want to add on that? No, I, again, that's, you know, uh, it's a good question. And, and arguably, uh, some of the same uh, elements Ken just talked about are um, we'd be same, having the same conversation with if not for the new legislation. And that's just a function around progress that's being made in how to get our arms around all of the bureaucracy that, that surrounds healthcare. Um, again, one of the intents is to streamline, promote efficiency. And that would suggest that we would like to, to see a place, get to a place where there's less of the back office work needed. But again, as we sit here today, I don't know that that's um, something that's going to be uh, realistic in the next you know, 12 to 24 months. Right. Okay. So there's a potential of, of demand increasing pretty quickly. So do you think we'll see non-medical office buildings, regular office buildings being converted to medical? Depends where. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, there are certain places where it, it makes absolute sense. So if you kind of take a, um, the conversation we've had thus far and you'd say, well, if there's a, a hospital center in an urban market that's going to now start receiving a lot of reimbursement that it hadn't received before, and that that hospital is, you know, one of the quote long-term winners, that's going to be a survivor. So the consolidator, as opposed to the consolidated, um, that would be a great place where you might want to see real estate expansion and so nearby uh, buildings uh, would probably be very um, valuable uh, for the medical space. It, it really depends on the kind of work that's being performed. I mean, traditional office, it, medical related office activities translate nicely into non-medical office buildings, but some more sophisticated outpatient services really do require more purpose-built buildings, which will either require heavy modification, redevelopment, or may not compete favorably to new construction. 
Okay. What about our for our listeners that uh, are invested in REITs that own office buildings or they own or manage uh, regular office buildings? And, you know, uh, I think some of the, the tenants that, that we talked to in interview uh, because of Obamacare are, are a little bit uncertain about the future and maybe holding back some hiring and some growth. How do you think Obamacare is going to affect uh, job growth? That's a that's a a third rail kind of question, and it really depends upon which side of the political spectrum you happen to sit on. Uh, you know, we don't take a, a political stance on that, and so uh, you know, it really depends upon the thesis of how the legislation works. Uh, again, as it, as the the legislation has really just started to take hold, it's too early to tell. Um, but that is a question that is a, certainly has a, a polarized and spirited debate that we see in talking to clients. Okay. Well, what other changes might we see that can impact commercial real estate uh, with Obamacare? Well, I'd say the advances in, in technology in general, Obamacare or not, are going to change the way healthcare is delivered. So, for example, we're seeing more outpatient services being delivered you know, because the tech technology is more readily available and because there's a drive for efficiency with or without the Affordable Care Act. We're seeing a rise in telemedicine where folks don't necessarily even need to go visit a doctor in order to get some sort of medical advice that previously was not a, an, a, a usual venue for communicating with a doctor. So these are all changes that have yet to play out. We're not, we can't, I can't say specifically what the outcome will be, but logically I can connect the dots and suggest that these kinds of changes certainly affect how space is used to deliver medicine. I do for, I mean, you could look at just your general life, how you use medicine today. Um, a decade ago, you would never have gone to your pharmacy for a flu shot. But now, that's almost the norm. And that represents a significant change, an increase in space that's demanded for the pharmacies, and a decrease in the number of patients that are going for shots at their primary care physicians. So that re represents a shift in the delivery of care. And I think, I don't know that I'd necessarily attribute it specifically to the Affordable Care Act, but it definitely translates to how space affects the, how medicine is affected, affecting the use of space. And are you seeing this growth for retailers, if you will, getting involved in, in healthcare continue to increase? A absolutely. Um, you know, retail, uh, the last few years, you've seen it uh, certainly in the uh, pharmacy space. That's one example. Uh, I think you've seen it in some of the other spaces where uh, by um, there's a healthcare play. Um, again, years ago, if you went to, to the mall to get a pair of eyeglasses, you, were, you had your prescription and you were going for the glasses. Increasingly now, you can go get your prescription um, at that place because they'll have an op optician on, um, on staff. And so you're seeing much more of a combination of the service with the product. Okay. Well, what are some other real estate opportunities that related to the changing health care environment? Well, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about the affordable care side of the Affordable Care Act, but there's the whole concierge medicine side that I think has another, in, introduces another element of demand. So at the other end of the spectrum, we do see higher end levels of service being made available to those who are privately paying. And while that service is generally going to be also aligned or closely to, you know, hospitals and other providers, there still is, that's a, that's a different kind of service, different kind of customer, and that creates a demand for 
in, in higher end spaces in different kinds of neighborhoods. Well said. Rod, Ken, thanks for joining us today, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, next we'll get an inside look at healthcare, real estate, and investment market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some great shows coming up for you, including a show on success strategies for commercial agents. Be sure to catch topics of special interest to you. Sign up for a once a week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're discussing the healthcare industry and commercial real estate. Please welcome my next guest, Paul Zeman, president, National Healthcare Capital Markets Group and partner with Bull Realty. Paul leads a team focused on assisting clients with the acquisition and disposition of medical office buildings. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Well, good morning. It's always great to be here. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, Paul, just how popular is healthcare real estate right now? What kind of volume did you see in 2013? You know, I, Michael, I think that 2013, we're going to wind up just somewhere in the ballpark, uh, $6 billion a little north. We saw through the first three quarters, uh, about $4.5 billion. There's another uh, $1.2 billion that's been done so far in, uh, in the fourth quarter now. And we're going to wind right up about what we did last year, a little over $6 billion. Okay, so the trend is relatively strong and flat, you'd say, for volume? Yeah, I'd say that it is. Okay, so what do you expect for volume next year? I mean, we're, as you heard from our friends at Deloitte, uh, we're expecting a lot more uh, demand for, for real estate in general. Uh, do you expect more uh, volume for uh, investment sales in the medical office building market? You know, I do think that we'll see uh, a bit of an increase. I don't think that it will be substantially higher than what we saw in 2013 but um as as we're, we're needing the space we're needing more medical office space and, and we're seeing more under construction right now that will probably tailor to to much higher figures uh, maybe two and three years down the road okay and what is the attraction of medical properties paul for for investors versus non-medical office well i think that uh, probably the biggest factor is that we all know who our who our doctors are and who we like, and they've pretty well been in the same offices as <laughs> long as I can remember. So, uh, a lot of times private practices are are very uh, unlikely to move, and in certain states like we have here in Georgia, that's a certificate of need state. Uh, depending upon what type of equipment or whether it's a surgery center, imaging center, uh, they might not be able to move. Okay. So the stability of the tenant uh, is, is a great aspect of medical, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and they can pretty well always pay their bills. Right. Well, we hope they can after the Affordable Care Act comes in as well, right? We'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, how much demand for medical office building space do you do predict moving forward, and how, how much of that demand is from Obamacare? You know, theoretically, if 25 or 30 million more individuals or Americans have access to health care, it's going to increase the demand for medical office space. But I'll say even outside of Obamacare, uh, I look back to some of the hospitals, say here in Atlanta, for example, that um, 10 and 15 years ago, uh, you could drive up to the front row of the hospital and park and walk right in. And now you're buried in the back of the parking garage 100 yards away and somebody picks you up on a golf cart to drive you 200 yards to the front door. 
Um, so even without Obamacare, we have seen some significant growth. Okay. And when you look at the healthcare sector overall, what do you expect for 2014 property level performance? Uh, I mean, how stable are our occupancy levels in these buildings and what do you expect moving forward? You know, I think that the occupancy is going gonna, is, is gonna to stay very strong. In fact, the vacancy rate nationwide has decreased like 15 consecutive quarters. And, and now we're on the tail end of just starting to see an uptick uh, for the past two quarters in uh, average rental rates. So that's, that's a trend we like to see. Okay. And you mentioned construction levels. Uh, you know, where has construction been over the last several years? You know, the majority of the construction that I've seen is on campus and it's hospital sponsored. Uh, you're not going to see many um, spec medical office buildings, um, even near a hospital, just in hopes that they can be leased out. Uh, they're very difficult to, to borrow on. The banks are not lending on projects like that uh, still. And um, in a lot of developers are really bashful to put a shovel in the ground until they have a, a firm commitment on 60% of the building or more. Right. And it, it's interesting because I think we are starting to see uh, some spec regular office buildings, but you've got a lot more, a lot larger pool of tenants for those, right? So for the medical, a little harder to uh, lease up a spec building, right? Uh, it is. And as well, a lot of the more savvy tenants uh, want, uh, you know, there to be exclusions in the in the lease or they want to have uh, rights that maybe they're the only orthopedic clinic in the building or they're the only imaging center or certainly the only farm only pharmacy um and that's that's going to you know restrict uh, some tenants as well okay then and, and short on the break here but tenant mix is important in these medical office buildings isn't it it is it is it's it's really nice though when you get a synergistic effect of tenants that can that can refer you know to each other um, make some happy tenants and in it for even more than the long haul. Okay, so that's something you're looking at in investment sales is the, the type of tenant, so not just the length of the lease and the credit, but uh, how the mix is almost like retail. It's just a, it's just a bonus. Okay. All right, well, stay tuned. We're going to have more intel on the healthcare real estate market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Glad you're with us today. You're invited to check out the Commercial Real Estate Show on YouTube. You'll find a great selection of videos like Reese on Real Estate and the Fed's view on commercial real estate. You're invited to subscribe so you don't miss a show of special interest to you. So visit YouTube and search for the channel Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're discussing the healthcare industry and commercial real estate. We're talking with Paul Zeman, president of National Healthcare Capital Markets Group with Bull Realty. And Paul, let's talk cap rates. Everyone seems to be interested around the country in cap rates. And uh, so, what? How have cap rates for medical office buildings uh, trended in 2013? You know, in 2013 they remained pretty steady. We saw some pretty pretty good cap rate compression really back since 2009 and I look at 2009 as kind of that year of correction <laughs> uh, sometimes you hear a Wall Street analyst uh, say come on correction well that was 
that was a correction and it kind of let everybody everybody kind of get their wind whether they liked it or not uh, so we've seen some some good compression by then uh, first uh, first six months of 2013 we actually were right at about seven percent as a whole uh, third quarter we were about 7.3 percent nationwide um, but there's a lot of things that there's a lot of exceptions either way there were some you know some six cap transactions there was even a sub six transaction here in Atlanta um, and then a lot of other factors are going to come into play as to as to where this goes and maybe what a particular property is worth location uh, uh, proximity to campus hospital sponsorship or no hospital so sponsorship the structure of the leases the escalations the terms there's a lot more than just sticking a percentage on a yeah. on an income well so. that's a good point you know i think when some people ask well what are cap rates as well it's gonna it's gonna be different for every building you yes. know and so uh, you got to look at it very closely well if you look at the overall market again and you compare medical office buildings paul to to the regular office buildings well, what's the difference in, in cap rates there you know um the difference in cap rates between medical office and regular multi-tenant office is typically been about 50 basis points lower for office versus medical office. Okay, so you get a little bit of return on a medical building. Uh, theoretically, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so what's the reason for that? Uh, why do you get a little bit better return on a medical building even though you have possibly more stable tenants? Well, you know, sometimes people ask me, what's the difference between medical office and office? And I say, well, medical office is just really complicated office. Right. There's there's a lot more going on. There's some more moving parts. Uh, the, the tenant build-out is typically uh, much more excessive. Uh, there's, there's different types of medical equipment that are very difficult to install. Um, there's, there's a lot more going on there. You may have stark rules. Uh, like we talked about, uh, somebody might want some uh, some exclusions as to the types of other tenants that are permitted in the building. It's just a little more complicated, just a little bit more moving parts. Well, that's a good point. You know, we have uh, a regular office tenant reps, and we have healthcare tenant reps, and the uh, regular office tenant reps like, uh, no, nah, I don't really want to handle the medical space. Let you uh, medical guys uh, do that. Well, uh, it, also to, to put this in perspective of the medical office market, what is the size of the medical office billing market compared to the normal office market? Well, you know, like we talked about uh, a little bit earlier, uh, say in 2012 and again now in 2013, we're right around that $6 billion mark. If you look at just, just strictly single-tenant office, uh, total transactions uh, trailing 12 months were – 14 billion dollars and if you look at multi-tenant office uh, it's another 74 billion on top of that so um, you know medical office is seven eight percent of of uh of, of regular office okay so so if you want to buy a regular office building you have a lot more choices <laughs> without doubt okay well what do you predict for cap rates moving forward in 2014 paul i mean we hear about all this demand and, and and not much new construction, you know, from the outside looking in, you would think, well, there's going to be some cap rate compression coming. Well, Michael, in 2014, I think that we're going to see cap rates in the same type of window that we have for 2013, between 7 and 7.3 on average. Um, you know, we may see some raising interest rates, which should, in fact, bump cap rates up a little bit. 
but as long as the investors that are out there are raising more capital than we have to transact on, it's going to be a very competitive market, and I really feel like the cap rates are going to are going to remain remain stable right now. Yeah, well, that makes sense to me. Like you said, uh, even with uh, inc- uh, rates increasing a little bit, interest rates, that is, you, you should see uh, more demand in this space. Uh, I mean, it's a safe space. There's a lot of capital moving from foreign investors and, and some from other sectors moving into healthcare. You're, you're, you're seeing a lot of demand in the space? Um, we are seeing more demand in the space, um, especially when it comes to, say, off-campus properties. We used to see uh, a cap rate spread of as much as 150 basis points uh, for an on-campus versus an off-campus building. And while the on-campus hospital-sponsored MOBs are still the most sought after, especially as the healthcare systems have been uh, expanding out into the suburbs to reach the communities and, and leasing space there, we're not seeing 150 basis points anymore. It may be more like 25 to 50 basis points, um, which, which is not unreasonable. And uh, we're short of the break, but who are the typical buyers buying these properties? You know, it's predominantly the publicly traded and private healthcare REITs. However, uh, I have seen and, and been involved in some transactions recently, high net worth individuals, private family trusts, and uh, some uh, private equity firms. Okay. All right, we'll take a short break here. Stay tuned for more medical office building magic. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. (laughs) Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We're excited to announce a new service on the show. It's called Ask Michael Ball. Uh, each business day, I will answer a listener's question on video. You can check it out at the uh, Twitter account, Ask Michael Bull, or on the YouTube channel, Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're discussing the healthcare industry and commercial real estate. We're talking with Paul Zeman with uh, Bull Realty. And uh, Paul, uh, I'm curious about, I mean, you're talking to these owners of office buildings uh, every day, these, these investors every day. I know you have a lot of relationships with them. Are any of them telling you positively and negatively how they feel about Obamacare? Do they feel like because of Obamacare that this is a great it's great to own and buy more medical office buildings, or or do they think that maybe because their their tenants might get squeezed on reimbursements that they might get squeezed on on, on tenants? What are they telling you? Well, on, you know th- that potentially could be one of the pitfalls. But let's talk about what's positive first, mm-hmm. okay? And that would be the increased patient flow. Mm-hmm. And we, we've known that all along, that the Affordable Care Act is, is supposed to increase the patient volume. It is gonna decline reimbursements, but we don't know how much it's gonna increase volume. We don't know how much it's gonna decle- decrease uh, re- reimbursements or revenue. Uh, but I would say that the, the positive, the demand on the medical space will probably outpace what, what some of the negatives are in terms of maybe of tenants getting squeezed and reimbursement or, or maybe the effect on the overall economy. Uh, I do believe that the need for, for healthcare is gonna be there, and these investors are still very comfortable with the sector, and we're seeing more investors come to the table. 
um, uh, foreign funds, high net worth individuals that are thinking, hey, it's time, it's time to buy some medical buildings. Okay. Well, we have all these baby boomers coming of age, and, and uh, they want more, more health care maybe than their predecessors. I mean, I guess I'm a baby boomer because uh, I'm 25 now. You know, okay. so. <laughs> You look good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so, 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 so it's interesting, though. So they're not telling you because of Obamacare and all this increased demand that, that, that it's a great thing to buy health care. They're just not telling you that. They just feel like overall the sector's strong. You know, the, the, the sector is strong, yeah. the, the bottom line. Yeah. And in my opinion, it's the strongest sector in commercial real estate. Yeah, yeah well, you really. <laughs> yeah, of course. You're, you're I'm a little biased. That's what you do. Sure. Okay. Well, do you have some tips, Paul, for, for medical office building owners out there? You know, I would say that um, it, it's always a good time to put in place an exit strategy if you don't already have one. Um, and, and just to evaluate where you are with how much term is left on your leases, maybe where your existing loan is if you do have a loan, uh, and where the, where the cap rates are that if now is not a great time to sell, will it be there in three years or will there be not enough term left on your leases uh, to, to make it sellable or, or financeable you know, for that option? So I would say that uh, it's always a good time to sit down and I'm happy to help or to be involved in any way, shape, or form uh, to do a complete analysis on the property. Well, I think it's a good point. You want to think of your exit strategy before you buy the asset, right? Well, yeah. And, and as your asset, manage it in, in the entire way. You know, I think it's interesting how many clients that, that we've all had in this industry that look back before the uh, downturn and say, gosh, I wish I'd have sold. You know, so, you know, we look at the market right now, we've got great interest rates, a lot of demand, so it may be a good time to at least consider it. And if it's not time to sell, know what to do to get your leases and property right to maximize value when you do get ready to sell. Right? Exactly. And that's a very big part of the business plan that my team puts together. It, it really all revolves around maximizing asset value. And there's a, a lot of moving parts, but we've pretty well nailed it down. Well, Paul, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Appreciate being here. All right. Well, you're invited to join us next week. We have a great show in store for you. My guest is Rod Santamassimo with the Massimo Group, and he'll discuss sales and business development. And the week after that, yours truly, Michael Bull, I'll share the top 10 success strategies for commercial agents. So uh, be sure and join us. And and if you're listening to this show uh, at the Christmas and New Year's time, hey, from our family to yours, have a great holiday time. And in a great period with your family. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by your friends at Bull Realty, France Media, Atlanta Office Liquidators, and Wiseman, Noack, Curry, and Wilco. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.